You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Don't you want to turn your computer down? It's on really high. No. <laughs> it's uh, warm today, so it's uh, cooling my computer. Mm. My computer is cooling. So, uh, hello, Sid Talk. How are you? I'm well, and yourself? Um, and how are you, listeners? Are you well? Are you? Do we need to wait for all their responses? You need to get yourselves a cup of tea, some chocolate chips. Not if you're driving. Maybe or running. Some, maybe some sour patch kids. What? And then you need to relax, sit down, take the weight off. Listen to the dulcet tones of ascoli.com. <laughs> and listen to us for a few hours, or an hour and a half. Anyway. It is. What is this? Uh, before the after the show discussion, what were we talking about? We were talking about this movie, imaginary movie that's in my head. Maybe somebody out there knows what this movie is. It's a movie. It's. It, I'd say it's from the last five years. There's a man. <laughs> this is, could be any movie. <laughs> Let's There's narrow a, it down, shall we? And towards the end of the movie, in the climax, climaxes of the movie, they're in a big sports stadium. Also quite a wide range of movies. True. Our hero, I'm assuming... Are you sure he's a hero? Yeah, I think he's a hero. He's either... He's with a teenage girl. It's either his daughter or somebody he's supposed to be protecting. I can't remember. And he's trying to protect her. And in my mind, it's Taylor Kitsch who's the hero, but it's not him because we had a look and he's not. So it's maybe somebody like him. It could either be Jason Statham, it might be some action hero dude is trying to save... He's either trying to save her or... I have no idea. But anyway, if you know out there what that movie is, it's probably from the last five years, because it's not an older movie. Let me know, because I have... I've typed it into Google. And there's Google. a portion where she puts on a cap, and there's a crowd. Or he and... puts a cap on her to make so she's not so obvious. And I'm thinking she's Miley Cyrus, but she's not. She's not. She's not so maybe she's a country singing kid. There's all kinds of elements to this movie. Or maybe I just dreamt this movie. It's like my, you know, a movie that I. Uh, you already want. decided that it was John Carter and The Rock, and now you've flooded, you've crowded Miley Cyrus. <laughs> oh, there you go. There's your movie. John Carter, The Rock, and Miley Cyrus. Maybe it's just wishful thinking. That's the movie I want made. <laughs> your dream movie. <laughs> Anyway, uh, if you know what that is, let me know, because it's been driving me crazy all afternoon. I've actually been typing into Google, movie with country singing girl, who is all kinds of combinations of things. So, yeah, I have no idea what it is. Anyway, that was the before the after the show discussion. It is Saturday, June the 27th. This is after the show, number 382. Uh, we're a movie podcast, and we review movies, and uh, this week... we Except for the ones you can't remember. Yeah, we can't review that one. But we can review one... But we might have. You said it could have been one that we watched. There's a scene in this movie that reminded me of that movie that doesn't exist, probably. The movie we're looking at today, a Blu-ray, new new release, is Run All Night. It's a 2014 movie, and it's actually out now. It came out on the 2nd of June. So, Sid Talk. Synopsis of Run All Night. And it's not a mystic western. As Was the, it Hannah? It wasn't Hannah. No. Okay. 
No. Was she never at a stadium with, with anyone? No. Okay. And she was never. <laughs> no, it's not that. No. It's a bit. It's more of a generic. It's a generic kind of movie that I'm thinking of. It's just. We'll revisit this throughout. It's your average. I just put some chocolate chips in my mouth, so. Even though I hate listening to that. Okay. Synopsis of Run All Night. And if you ask Liam Neeson, he'd say it's a mystic western. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. I don't even means. know what that means either. Um, <laughs> it's a... Oh, the very basic of the story is the man seeks redemption for being a terrible person. And then in, in the process, his... I think they mistakenly define this other guy as his best friend, but we'll get on to that in a minute. But he and his best friend have sons. In the crossfire of some bad shit, one of them gets killed. And now it's a tale of these two men having to sort of seek revenge on one another. And redemption for one. <coughs> Daddy issues for one guy. You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's a, <laughs> and it's a mystic western. Uh, well, it's actually an action movie. But it isn't. It's an action movie. I don't even know what mystic means in relation to a western know, movie. But he did say it more than once. Are you sure he said mythic. Mythic Western, sorry. Mystic's even better, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Your mystic movie is the one we can't figure out. Yeah. With the girl in the cab and the sporting event. So, uh, moving on to Run All Night. We saw a movie with Liam Neeson in it only a few weeks ago called A Walk Among the Tombstones, which actually starred Liam Neeson and this other guy, um, Boyd Holbrook. Um, and Liam Neeson does like the similar type of movies, it seems. Mm -hmm. Either he does or somebody who casts him does. And this is a similar type of movie to A Walk Among the Tombstones. But, let me say, and I kind of like Walk Among the Tombstones. I thought it had some issues. But I thought Run All Night, which we watched today, um, to be much more entertaining than that one. It's... It, it's... It's not highbrow or anything like that. It's a shut your mind off. There's going to be some action on the screen. You know, it gets quite violent, this movie. You know, there's a lot of shooting people. <laughs> you can dig deeper if you want, because like I said, the story is actually two men who have been... We're going to define them as friends since they were boys. We've we established that in one scene. Throughout their life, one of them becomes sort of a crime boss kind of a guy, and the other one is his lackey. Yeah. Not just his lackey, but his assassin, a sort of of sorts. Not that fancy, but not like a Leon, but no, just he does killer. the dirty work. Yeah, for this guy, and I don't think that makes them friends. I think that the upper hand is always with Ed Harris. Mm. Liam Neeson's always the shit heel. He doesn't have anything. He's easy to knock around. He's easy to tell him what to do, and he does it. And so that part I don't. But the relationship, when you think over. The course of their whole life can be kind of interesting if you think about it. At some point, they both have sons. There are similar ages. Their paths are different. They're intertwined. It's too. not examined in a huge way, though, is it? And then there's the father thing. One of the fathers, you you don't get the feeling that he's that fond of his son. Mm -mm. And then any any morning seems almost superficial and like you've just pushed a button that I can't that can't be unpushed. Not because it's a deep primal thing of a father's love for his son, whereas the other one, there's this thing that I think in Liam Neeson it just is that primal I've never done anything else for my son. 
and it just kicks in and I felt that really strong. So I think you can dig a little deeper if you want. Find a few things that aren't on the f- surface of the car chase and the running in the stairs, which I'll say right now, I didn't mind any of those things. The no, fight I, in the bathroom was really um, good... the fight in the bathroom was amazing. It had some really good scenes. Raining down the fire escape and running through the burning building, that was really good. The car chase at some point was really good, so I had no problem with any of There's that. There's a lot so. of good action. Um some of the action reminded me of Nightcrawler that we watched recently, like the car bits. Like, yeah. Um, and because it was really intense, it's like uh, there's a bit where a car like goes into a a, a shop, a pawn shop, and it, it it seems really real. Like when it's happening, it's oh, like yeah. uh, it's like really like cameras right in there. And yeah. But um, yeah, and I think was. there was a lot of really cool scenes. And I said to you, even during the movie, I said this reminds me of like Luke Besson movies from way back, like. Like the the intensity of it, because it, as soon as it's interesting, because the first thirty minutes they and I said to you, it seems um, they took their time to set the stage instead of going straight for the action. They actually took the time. They you get to know everybody slowly, and then the shit is the fan, and then it, it's balls out action. The rest of the movie really, uh, and most of these type of movies don't spend thirty minutes at the beginning getting to know the characters. It's just like blah 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 blah. Okay, it's time to run all night. You mean like someone's daughter goes on a trip, and in the first ten minutes, she's been taken like that. <laughs> very quick, and then <laughs> very quickly gets one to of the those, action. and then it's just action. You know, dialogue uh, is set aside. Or one guy is like a loner, and he goes to a frozen tundra place where a gray wolf starts to kill everybody. Yeah, those type of those movies. Those are Liam Neeson movies, where, um, But this one actually takes the time to set the stage. I mean, it's not overly... Walk Among the Tombstones kind of was more set in... That one didn't really go for the action. Even though it had some action, it was more... That one was re- more yeah. rooted in the story. But this one, it felt like a, a Luke Besson movie from years ago, where... You get, you get to care about the people, and then there's a lot of action. Like, you know, it's not... Even like a diehard movie, it's not, you know, super talky or, you know, it's not a drama, clearly. It's not like a, it's not played that way. It's played like, we want loads of car chases and shooting. And there is a lot of that in this movie. But it's all pulled off well. Like, I mean, the fighting was really good. The the car chases are good. And interesting characters. Uh, I, I really liked Common's character. He reminded me of like a, just just this single-minded... I like these single-minded hitmen who are just like, okay, what's the job? I'm going... Oh, you mean Price? Yeah. Oh, I didn't find him interesting I, I really like that kind of hitman. The, those are, you know, in this type of movie, I like that kind of... Uh, somebody's coming for you, you know? Yeah, but he was so not impactful. He was to me. I, I actually really mm. liked him. It was one of, one of my favorite things of the movie. When he turned up, I was like, wow, this, this is really cool. I, I like this guy. I felt like he was. Here's a cliche. Yeah, like, I mean, there's another are, cliche. There is a bunch of that in this. Yeah, movie. but this one, that one was like, I was like, oh please, this like unbeatable foe that's gonna probably get beaten. Not that interesting. Plus, we don't know anything about him, which makes him less interesting to me. But um, this was much. This was quite an entertaining movie. I, I was, you know, you could see everything coming. I I, I can't say that it was lo- very surprising. It didn't go. I didn't sit back at, like a few times and go, "Oh wow, really? That's happening now." Well, uh, I, I did once. Actually. I didn't think I was going to happen. No, I didn't think that was going to yes. happen either. So, so that was a surprise to me. I was like, "Really?" Oh, doing- that he would just 
Yeah. Say, but as it unfolded, to you know, it's kind of obvious where it was going. Because actually, it's one of the movies yeah. again that starts with the very end scene, right? Mm, almost. Yeah, but I mean, it, it's clear where it's going. Uh, that that's a cliche of movies, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Here's the hero, and he's probably going to die. It's like a and... frame. Yeah. Yeah, it's, what is it called? It's no, polygon. it's more like he's in dire straits. He or she's in dire straits. And, and now we're going we to go back here. in time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Rewind. And this movie does that. And, and a lot of movies do that, actually. Sometimes I roll my eyes a little bit when, I, when a movie starts like that. Then it has to, like, it's kind of, lo- it loses me almost instantly with that. But I thought this one did a good job because, you know, once it did get round to that, a lot of surprising things had happened, I guess, when I'm thinking about it. You know, it wasn't just like, oh, he... Yeah. Don't want to spoil what, what was happening, but, I mean, you kind of know instantly what is happening. Um, so, what did you think overall? What did you, did you... Do you like a movie like this? Do you... Well, are you an action statement. fan? Uh, you know, I'm not a huge action fan. But you do like the bombs really boring. stuff like that, right? Yep. And you even like bombs. But I feel like there's something more to them. Hmm. This one, when I do the digging a little deeper to figure out the relationship, I'm more into it. And the scenes, it looks really good. I think Liam Neeson isn't that great of an actor all the Mm -hmm. time. So, and Ed Harris is just what he is. He's the same as he was in The Rock. And, like, he's just the same, like, a lot. I'm not knocking him. I'm just saying. Liam Neeson's very one note. He really is. I mean, and that's why he does this stuff, I guess. Because somebody goes There's moments when it's really good super intense and it's often when there's someone else there who kind of elevates him a little bit or gets him a little more but, but then there's moments where he's kind of you know like where he's drunk at the beginning and yeah. I was I was like oh no he's gonna play this like you know again him, again yeah we've only just seen him do that and he, oh, here he is again doing that I was and like, it's a situation where because he's Liam Neeson hmm. I think everybody puts on the filter and doesn't have the guts to say but it's a, a bit cartoonish also, you his, know that part yeah and I guess the same thing happened in the Tombstone one, but I mean, with him specifically in this one, we're suppo- I'm, I'm entertained by the idea of this dude who's been doing all these terrible things for all these years, and now he's just sort of uh, alone in a shitty house with nothing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> like really, nothing. That he could then call on all that experience to get through the situation, but then he turns into sort of that semi-badass guy mm-hmm. and it comes out of nowhere, completely out of nowhere and they even almost point at it and say, well, that guy had 15 years and 30 pounds on you, I thought for sure, or you had 15 years and 30 pounds on him, I thought for sure he'd bring you down and he was like, yeah, me too, and it's like, yeah, so did everybody mm-hmm. else, like yeah, so the- that part, it holds me back from full in- enjoyment. Because I have no clue that this guy has any skills. It's the it, same in The Grey. It's not like... Yeah. Same in Taken. Well, in we Taken, they do, tell, they do say, oh, look, this Briefly. guy... He's a security guy. He used yeah, to be a Navy anymore, SEAL. But he's yeah. not anymore. But, I mean, he's... Yeah, but you don't know. And then, boom, he's a superhero guy. And in this one, it's not quite as, like powerhouse but he does take a lot of kicking and a lot of jumping. I mean there's a big body count in this movie. Yeah I think I like that aspect of him a lot that he he's is truly people. over the edge of caring anymore. He understands what he's doing when he's taking people's lives. I think I get that vibe like he's already feeling regret for the past and now because he almost has a mission now 
he just doesn't care anymore. And I kind of like that about... And he's not like... It's not like he goes out and kills all the bad guys. Or the guys who are just sleazy. He is just anybody in his way. And it's a little bit like... um, What's it called? Uh, Dirty Harry or the other guy from the 70s, you know. Death Wish. Yeah. Yeah, Charles Bronson. Don't get in my way. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's So overall, I liked it. It was good, entertaining, as in... I didn't really know from scene to scene what was going to go down. Overall, you know, like the arc of the whole story is going to happen, which is a little bit blossom. If they hadn't opened with that, then it would be a whole different vibe near the end. Right. So why start it that way? It's just You want to ask the writer, why start that way if you're not going to throw us into a twist or a spin of some kind? Because it is pretty ordinary once it... If you think, if you watch it all and then go back, the the plot isn't super. It's not super clever. Or Actually, super I think twisted. it's quite good. I think it's interesting that two men, their two sons, that stuff is interesting. But you don't it's get not, that very often. Yeah, but it's not. It's not twisty or. Uh, I don't. But I'm glad because twisty would have been him trying to lie his way out of it and trickery and finding out that this guy, that guy's really actually a good guy. When, yeah, like something not. like Focus we saw the other day, Ugh. which was trying to be twisty and clever, right. but it actually wasn't. Like so, this doesn't go for that. It's more. I like the straightforward approach. Actually, I didn't mm-hmm. want it to be twisty turning. I just sometimes if they hadn't done that opening part. That would have made the whole thing just a little bit more interesting. Did Tombstone start with that? With an, um, a here's what's happening, like Tombstone. Yeah, you know, um, a walk among the no. tombstones. There's another movie we watched recently where it started with the heroes that, like, in the final moments of his of the movie, and I was like, oh, uh, they're doing that again. <laughs> another one of your fictional movies. It's very common uh, that, obviously. So. um... Let's move on to the cast. Well, actually, um, the premise of this movie is run all night. So it takes place over the course of one night. like a Not like a real-time thing, but mm-hmm. like a... Um, you know, I, I got that, and I like that. It all takes place at night. And, I, and you really get to see New York City, which I really liked. And like, you know, they film movies in New York City, and generally... It's all extras and everything. But some of it felt like they were just filming in New York City. I know we saw the extras and they quite clearly were not. But it felt to me like that was just average, you know, people going about the business and them just filming a film in the middle of it. I don't think that can happen, though, can it? They can't do that. I think it can. Just depends. This didn't... This seems that way in the movie, but obviously it wasn't. Because you could see they were telling people to walk there, walk there. But, uh, yeah, you really get a good glimpse of New York City. Um, across all the places, Madison Square Garden, Times Square, the other bi- places, Queens. They were in Queens. You really? You would know the difference? They were in Hell's Kitchen, Queens. They only told us that after the fact, and I don't think that that's where we were. They even said they had to, uh, like, muddy some places. Like, there wasn't places that were kind of murky enough for them to be in, so... Had to make that sounds murky. like bullshit. Every city has murky places. Yeah, well, New York especially, right? No, every city. No murky looks any more murky than any other. So let's move on to the <laughs> cast here. Uh, Liam Neeson plays Jimmy Conlon. Yeah, Liam Neeson is very typecast uh, in this role. There's so many. He's been in he's so many. He's a broken now. man because yeah. of choices he's made. He likes it, though, doesn't he? That's what I, I gather. From whenever we watch extras and he talks... 
he's just into like old cowboy films and revenge films and, and and he likes to think there's a higher thing about it like this one he says it's a story about redemption hmm. and well that is a story mechanism that you can use to define your characters and all that stuff but it doesn't make it interesting because redemption's not that interesting unless the whole of it is interesting and being a guy a thug who's killed a bunch of people for some mob guy isn't interesting it's super boring, I'm in like, fact. The director of this movie, he did Non-Stop, which was another Liam Neeson movie we saw last year. Which one was that? I forget. That was the one where he's, on the pl- he's the air marshal on the plane, and he's drunk. Oh, uh, yeah. He's got a brother. It's the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> whenever I see, Liam, what are you doing? Whenever I see like Liam Neeson, he's like, oh, that is... He, he, in, um, does he do it in Taken as well? Is he like kind of no, no, off he, the rails? No, no, he's fine. Maybe in Taken 2 or Taken 3, I don't know. Like, maybe he goes off the rails. But I don't think so. The, the fact that he's drunk, and he's the air marshal who's drunk, and he's the this guy who's drunk, and he's the tombstone guy who's drunk. Yes, they're very similar roles. But and always the guy with the problem. Problem. In, in the, that, like the grey. Yeah. Eat the grey drinks as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, they've Hold written on. a character. It's just the same movie. It's got Liam Neeson over the top of it. And they're like, let's let's take a Lego approach to this and plug these movies together with four or five different pe- big pieces. One of them is Liam Neeson's character. Troubled drinking. Troubled drunk. Uh, badass. Maybe hidden, a hidden badass. Hidden badass, yeah. yes. The like, guy oh, he's an air marshal, <laughs> but you don't know he can kill about... A thousand people at once, like, you know. Yeah, so... like. But, if you're in love with that, and yeah. that gets you going... And I think Liam Neeson might be in love with that, slightly. Or like, he might just be looking for a paycheck. Yeah, and he does it well, and people acknowledge that He doesn't that do it, it that well. well. Don't kid yourself. He does it okay. Yeah, so Liam... Ne- There's about 70% of... I, I'm convinced he's that guy, and I like the way he delivers lines, and then there's about 30% of, like... Why didn't you say let's do another take, Liam? Hey, Mr. Neeson, can we do another try at that? Let's give it a little more this or that other than table read. Because a lot of it sounded like there was a times when it was just like da 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 da. Like I'm doing exposition <laughs> dialogue, you need to know this stuff and I'm saying it. I don't even know all these things about that. And I am I very just... gravelly. <laughs> you know? Don't even talk about gravelly. Did you put Mr. Gravel in there? I probably probably did, yeah. Um anyway. Nulty. Yeah, yeah. The, se- the second guy uh, in this movie who plays uh, Liam Neeson's son is uh, Joel Kinnaman, plays Mike Conlon. I really like this guy. I thought mm-hmm. he was really good. Like, I, I don't know him. He's not an actor who I'm fam- familiar with at all, but I thought he did really good. He's been good. in something we've seen. He's been, I had a look. Yeah, he's been in, he's been in action movies, but nothing. So then you have seen him. No, we've, we saw Boyd Holbrook. He was in um, Tombstone. But not this guy, Joel Kinnaman. I don't really know him, like, but I think he did a really good job. And he had to be in a lot of scenes with Liam Neeson. Like, he, you know, he, he's in most of the movie, right? Running about. Did you like him? I did. He had times when... He seemed like he was... I mean, to me, I, I bought him. I bought him with the family. Kind of. I bought that he was... He's not. He's, he's not a bad guy. He he. You know. When yeah. Something... There's no. There's no eluding, or hinting at the fact that he might be a bad guy. He no, just is he, a good he's guy. He's a good guy. Was raised without his shit hill father. This guy, Liam Neeson. Yeah. Actor extraordinary. Would rather forget about him. <laughs> and has you know done that thing? You you when you grow up, you do. I think one of two things. 
You grow up in spite of your parents and become the other thing, or you grow up as a result of your parents, or as a as a little clone of your parents and do the same shitty things, right? That's yeah. I don't know how there's not many other choices. You either overcome it or you become it. And he was right? overcoming it. Right. Overcome or become. Look at that, I just made a meme. Damn. <laughs> but there are times when he's just a little bit too subtle. I like subtlety. I like people holding back and not being overly dramatic. But there are a few moments when I want him to be to feel a little more, you know. Now the chase down the alley over all the fences was really good. And there were not a, much acting involved. They were a good pairing, um, but I, I kept wanting for some more dialogue between the father and son, like or some. I think they said it. They run around a lot and shoot people and stuff, and there's a lot. They of do not shoot any people. Only one of them. I mean, does. Liam Neeson shoots people, and it's very and it's very clear Liam Neeson. Yeah, but what else could they say? There are opportunities for the son to shoot people, and Liam Neeson's like, let's not tell everything. You know, don't shoot people because I um <laughs> spoilers. You know, um, you don't want to be like me, like because I've got so much regret inside me. It's it's you know, killing me. Like, um, but I I wanted more scenes of them talking. I wanted I them think... to. I wanted the movie to stop at some point. And they go for a burger or go for a... Why? And just calm what else down. would they say? It doesn't make any sense. I, I don't, they, 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 had a re, they reunite and then, they, then they're just thrown into a world of action, right? So I wanted them... I just wanted some dialogue between them because I was enjoying... I understand, but the, what would there be? I, don't, I really don't know. They're he rats. said, I don't need you in my life. And he said, you just got to put up with one Yeah, night. that's what I'm saying. There's not much said, like... Right, but that's all we need. There's nothing else well, to Well, not for me, though. I, I would have liked to see at asking. least just one scene. Of what it. would they say, though? Just talking about the old times or talking about, like, what was... what Was there anything good about him that he remembers or, you know? I don't think he wants to know. No, he doesn't, but, I mean, I would so have liked to find sense. out. Yeah. So, um, moving Neeson on to... doesn't want to give himself any credit of any kind. He doesn't want his son to have good memories of him because he thinks he's horrible. So he wants his son to be a separate I guess I just wanted some him. more backstory of their relationship. I think we got it. Yeah. Maybe I just wanted a little bit more of it. Like, instead of le- less running down an alley and a bit more of their... Just to stop for a moment and just... Right, but if you haven't thought it through, like, what would the substance be of that? I don't know. That, I, it wouldn't I, fit. I can't You get a bunch of one-liners... Okay. No, not bullshit that. dialogue. Not that. More where... of a, more of a, to- you know, a. Because uh... I think the scene in the car when he says, "I left you alone because I don't want you to be like me. I want you to have a yeah. better life than me." And he just put his hand up and he said, "And that's it." So that's telling you that's it. I have nothing else to tell you. I don't. Need, and I guess I that works to... well in a movie. Yeah, I don't want you to think higher of much. me. I don't want you to forgive me. I don't want anything. I'm just telling you that's it. So in a movie that. Doesn't really want much dialogue once it gets going. I guess that relationship works. So, um, Boyd Holbrook, who we did see in Tombstone, plays Danny McGuire, who's the son. It's not Tombstone, though. Don't give him a, don't confuse people. Uh, welcome on the Tombstone. <laughs> but is, um. There is a movie called Tombstone. There is, yeah. Which he, is a better movie than. He was. <laughs> yes. Is it? So he plays Ed Harris's son, uh, Danny McGuire, and, you know, um, he played like a drug addict in well, a walk among the tombstone. And this time he played a jerk who drinks too much and acts and like a drugs. dickhead. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. He, he was fine, but it was very cliche as well. I mean, there's very He was good standard. in walk among the tombstone. I, I remember him being, oh, he's, he's really standout. Like, I like him. He was a little extra on the junkie side, but 
Mm. But in this one, he yeah, he's extra on the junkie side too. But not really. He's just more of a jerk. He snorts. He snorts those uh, up, um, that white stuff up the pound notes quite a few times in this movie. Twice. Yeah, that's, that, that, that. If you see a character do it twice, then you go, you have to assume that he does it, right? That's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. I we mean, didn't see it. we junkie. saw him do it once, and then he did it again. Then he just acted like a jerk, I think, because he got a little cocky. But yeah, I, I classed him as just a dickhead, like complete, you know, daddy's boy. Dad's a dad's a violent henchman. He's trying to. I want to be like be Dad. like him yeah. and impress him, and it doesn't quite. So work. there we have the two stories: one son who wants to be like his dad. And one son who definitely doesn't want to be like his dad. True. Uh, so Common plays Mr. Price, Andrew Price. Uh, Common is a rap artist. You probably know him. Uh, he was actually did the music for Selma just recently and won an Academy Award, I believe. But um, he plays this hitman guy who I really liked, who you didn't like particularly, right? I was neutral, but I didn't find him very interesting at all. It was so cliche. It was I'm using the word cliche a lot, so I apologize because that's like also a um, technological oh hitman. Meet him in a strip club where it's all dark and weird, and then he puts on some fucked up thing on his eye with the green night vision shit. And he's vision, got like the scope on his gun. He puts on his little thing. He's just like out of a comic book, and it was totally yeah, out of character felt, for the whole that's movie. That's what it felt like he was like. Yeah, and I really fit, liked him, but it didn't fit the whole movie at all. Man, it added a lot to me. I did a. I but did it like a, every other character I can see grounded in reality. I can see a Liam Neeson guy who has been a henchman, and in real life, there are going to be lots of men out there who've killed a lot of people for money and drugs and all kinds of stuff. That makes sense to me. The Kinnaman guy makes sense to me. He's a guy who wants to do better. Uh, the Ed Harris character makes sense to me. A businessman who dabbles in crime and shit like that to make lots of money. That doesn't make sense in this movie. Now, he is out of what it did for me, even if it doesn't make sense, it, it upped the ante in the middle of the movie and made it more scary. Like exactly, for, for it's, a, it's a tool that yeah, it was been, definitely like, a tool. shoved in there. A tool that I enjoyed place. though. So <laughs> because I enjoy Common, I think he's really good. Like I, I do think he's really good, and he. It, it reminded me, it's like almost like the Terminator or something. Yeah, Some relentless force. Why? But you going can't to, stick a Terminator in the middle of a realistic movie. No, well, you can because they did. So um, I know you can, but I don't think it ruins it. it. I think it actually, uh, I was kind of. Wow, I, I want to see, I wanna see more about. He this doesn't guy. make any sense if he's in a different kind of movie where everything about the movie is hyped up a bit and a little bit plastic and a little bit over the top. Then he would make perfect sense. But in this, it was just like whoa. We don't even get any ground for him whatsoever. He's just a killing machine. Yeah. Which it doesn't I make any sense. No, well, I enjoyed it. So why do you enjoy it though? How why it did fit? I enjoy it? Because it was like it was pretty cool, and that's one of the reasons not to like it. I it's too cool. Yeah, I like that, and I also liked the technological aspect of him, and I also liked the. Um, He's very unpredictable. Like, like I don't know what he's. I don't know how you're going to defeat him. I don't know. You know, he seems like a, a maniac. He's not like. a boss in a video game. Almost. No, exactly. It doesn't fit. Right. Well, but for me, <laughs> I, I thought it worked quite well and I really enjoyed it. Like, so, yeah, it's just a difference of opinion. It's one of my favorite parts. Common was actually one of my favorite parts of the movie. Right, because it's so different from the rest of the movie. Well, but I liked the movie. I did, it wasn't like I was looking for something different from this movie. I just, I liked the, the scenes with him in. And he's in quite a bit of it, you know. Including, mm-hmm. yeah, well, I don't want to spoil anything. Anyway, 
Um, Ed Harris plays Sean Maguire. You know, it's Ed Harris just doing Ed Harris. Like, it's not... Like you've seen angry, him do a tough yeah. guy. You've seen it. It's like Liam Neeson doing this character. Ed Harris, it's not a stretch for him. He, you know, and you kind of expect it. He's a little bit older, just a bit... White, a little bit wiser, maybe. Nah, I don't know about that. <laughs> Genesis Rodriguez plays Gabrielle, Gabriella. I wanted to mention her. There's not many women in this movie. Nope. <laughs> and she is the, the woman in this movie. And she plays, um, you know, his wife. Uh, Mike's wife. And uh, I liked, I liked, I felt the relationship was kind of real. Like, it felt real. Like I liked the way she kind of, you know, she didn't deal with his bullshit at the beginning, remember? Mm-hmm. And she's pregnant. But she, um, I like, I felt the relationship between them, you know, and, yeah, and, how, also, and how the father got gets in the way she's of She's also it. very dismissed as well. She's just the woman who's pregnant, two kids, and Is danger. she the only woman in this movie? No, the mother is in the hospital. The mother in the hospital. She doesn't speak. Who got cut out a lot of, her scene would have been longer, but got cut. Is that it? I, think so. I don't remember many women at all. Oh, the strip club where your favorite fucking character too. That is. got cut too, though, that scene, right? Well, he's in there when we meet He him. is, but he's not, you don't see the women in the scene where... You do in the background for a second. Right. Very... It was more gratuitous. I said, do you, do you realize in all these redemption movies, with I'm sure very tiny exceptions, and if you want to give me a list of 100 or 200 movies, that's fine, but there's been tens of thousands of movies in the last 100 years... That most of them, the redemption and the revenge, is all about men who have done really shitty, horrible things. And over to the side over there, we get the little, the woman who's in danger, or the woman who inspires you to do better, or the woman who whatever, over there, over there, over there. I mean, this does use a cliche of a wife and kids are in danger. The Mm -hmm. wife and kids are in danger. So, yeah, that's a big cliche. They did it better than in a lot of movies, though, because it did make sense. Yeah. Not just stupid henchman guy, but it did make sense. <laughs> You're hitman. But I could understand once you get to know Ed Harris a little bit better and understand his the gravity of the situation. That did make sense. Whereas other ones you're just like, ugh, you know, here we go again. But Um Vincent D'Onofrio plays Detective Hardy. So he's the you know, there's another cliche in this kind of movie. There's always a detective who's trying to get one step ahead of the the case that's going on. Uh, but I think, I think he did a good job. I just don't think he had enough screen time. Um, it was a lot of, you know, he did have a, I liked the scene between him and Liam Neeson in the diner. I thought that was a really good scene. Where he's talking to him about, like, you know, tell me the names. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was good because we'd just come off a scene where Liam Neeson was crying yeah. with it, with, you know, and that scene, Right back to back on it was like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm getting Push a feeling his button for it. a little bit, yeah. Um, but I like Vincent D'Onofrio a lot in this movie, but I don't think he had enough to do like it. There was, he isn't the crux of the story or anything, really, even though he is, right? I mean, the, yeah. it, it kind of leads back to Another it. tool that's it's another very, thing, very frequently. But, hey, give me a call. But he doesn't get a lot. If you ever want to change this entire story near the end somewhere, just give me a call. Yeah. Here's my card. Yeah, like there's yeah. another puzzle piece, another jigsaw, or uh, another Lego we can slap into this. <laughs> I don't know. I'm thinking Legos, but. Uh, and then finally, Nick Nolte, who's uncredited <laughs> in this movie. Actually, he's not Fair even enough. in the credit list. I think that's he plays Eddie Conlon, and um, 
Yeah, yeah, Nick Nolte is like he's just come down from the woods to it make, doesn't like, make any difference. like a mountain yeah. man who's just they phoned him up and said, "Can you come and be in a movie?" And I mean, he's like, I have my aunt. I guess he's my uncle, but my aunt is married to a dude who's very much like this guy. He is rough, and he don't give a shit, and he'll tell you to your face that you're an N-word and a this-word and a that, and your butt's getting fat, and by God, I don't care what you tell me, you don't come on my property, and I'll blow your fucking head off if you say what no, I, that's we're, how we're not We're not saying that is Nick Nolte in a nutshell, <laughs> but he'll say the N-word and stuff, but... No, I'm saying the guy, the character, yeah, is this guy who's just rough. I feel like he... Rough. I don't think that's a... Ca- I don't think they do a character on Nick Nolte because we've seen him like in a few things. Oh, I felt the character is a guy who, that's what I'm talking about. That character is a guy who I can, I get him, but the Nick Nolte portion, it seemed a bit weird. It's just Nick Nolte, isn't it? That's what he's like. I've seen him in interviews even. He's just like that. It's like, like I say, it's like he went and lived live in a log cabin in the woods on his own for like 10 years and... That's just how he comes across. Like, he doesn't give a shit. Like, I don't care what I look like. I don't care. I'm just old Nick Nolte used to be... I don't even care about his like, looks. Like you said about Gary Busey, they kind of fit into the same... There's just a thing. There's no boundary no. to what will come out of their mouth. And and, and there's no reasoning with a person. Sometimes the character worth seeing, there is a there's some brick walls in there about him and this... It's his brother. It's Liam Neeson's brother. And there's no getting around it. It is it is a feature of his of their life, and there is no like this isn't a person who will evolve emotionally or expand his horizons. He is stuck in the, he lives with his mother still, and he's what seventy years old, and so. And we've talked about him longer than he's in the movie. <laughs> yes. So yeah, he, he probably didn't deserve that much talking. So director, this is Jean Calais Sarah, and he also did. Um, Non-stop with Liam Neeson, which is, you know, another kick-ass Liam Neeson movie. He did the movie Orphan, which I really liked the movie Orphan. I I thought it was a cool movie. It was a horror movie. Well, psychological thriller kind of movie. I liked it a lot. It was, it was, I, I still think, I I can see it in my mind. It's, it's kind of creepy. It's a creepy movie. And he also did Goal 2, which, uh, I like the Goal series of movies. Second one, the third one's really terrible. If you watch Goal, First one's really good. Second one's average. Third one's terrible. Like it got worse. But uh, Gold Two is pretty good. You know, he goes to England. It's it's a it's a soccer movie. But the first one, stick with the first one. Yeah, the first one's about the World Cup, and you know, it's on a bigger stage. But yeah, it's um, that's another cool movie I really liked. But uh, this movie, the direction was really cool. You know what? I really they do this thing where they pull out the camera like Google Maps in this movie and then move to another area of the city. And I felt the geography of the whole... Like, I liked how it... I mean, it's a bit computery when it's Mm -hmm. happening, but I thought it fit. Like, it was kind of cool. Like, because it zoomed out sometimes. Gives you the scope of the city. Yeah, and then zooms across and you see Times Square from above and then it goes back down. And it, I felt it fit. At first I was like, oh, it's one of those gimmicky There's things. There's a little too much gimmicky stuff going on. Not that necessarily, but a lot of camera things that were really There's one thing the that, that I disliked, and it was when Ed Harris and Liam Neeson were in the restaurant Ugh. talking, and he did the circular camera thing, which I, I always... We need to disassemble all those little tracks that are little circles. And when I see that start to happen in scenes, I, and Michael Bay does it quite a bit, it, it I stopped... It kind of takes my attention off the scene. Like, I stop. 
I'm like, oh my god, they're doing the camera thing. And I'm thinking that. And while I'm thinking that, I'm not completely paying attention to what's going on. So it's kind of an off-putting thing to me. Agreed. Uh, and that does happen. Just twice. And there's a bit of shaky kind of like, mm-hmm. oh, we're trying to be cool here or something. I don't know. And the editing gets a bit weird. There are times when it's cut, 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 cuts a lot. And it's a little bit choppy. But but it does have this, that map kind of thing that it does. pull. It pulls out the camera up into the sky and like, you can see the like a Google map view and then it goes down. But yeah, it's a little bit computery, but I kind of liked it. It kind of fit for this movie for some reason. So uh, extras, there are three. There are some deleted scenes. Um, two of them. Well, one of them, if you like Nick Nolte, you'll see more of Nick Nolte. And the other one is more of um, the mother. Um, but they're not like super duper deleted scenes. No. That will... And then there's like two featurettes. One's like the making of Nonstop and one's a Liam Neeson um if you want to hear Liam Neeson say, um, not a mystic Western. <laughs> Mythical. Mythical Western. Yeah, yeah, a bunch of people whining about working at night. And what did I say? Get over it. I yeah, did night they, shift. They I did night shift in, for 12 years. And you live very... I love it. But this is a movie that takes place at night, majority of the time. And they decided, oh, let's film it at night for real. Like, let's not do it in the daytime in a studio. Which works, because yeah. you, you really felt like they were in the city. It wasn't like all stages and green screens. It was like a real-looking movie. Uh, 16 Blocks I, was another movie that kept coming to mind when mm-hmm. I was watching this. I know it's not the same, but it, it's about being in the city and feeling the city. So, um, in conclusion, Run All Night, what do you reckon? I liked it. I feel like it was a bit of above average. Yeah, I do too. But it is... Easily forgettable for me. I'm afraid that in a I mean, couple weeks I'll have the same thing where I'm going, what was that run all night thing? Yeah, the same thing I do. Do you want to say? Like you just said what? about Welcome on the Tombstones, which we've seen, what, and several weeks the ago? the other one, the, the plain one. Non-stop. Yeah. <laughs> they all kind of run in together after yeah. a while, action movies, though, I think, because what is the to an action movie if... You know, there are some exceptional action movies, right? Like you say Bourne movie to me, I've got them all in my Born head. Bourne movie, True Romance... Pulp Fiction, you know, like ones that stand out because there's something different about them. Reservoir Dogs. You know what? I forgot almost all of Reservoir Dogs because I thought it was just too much. It's really a great movie. <laughs> but, you know, Kill Bill, you know, different. They're, they're an Bill, action movie, but they've got something where you can't un- you can't forget it because it's so different. Where A lot of these, you know, Pelham 1, 2, 3 is similar to mm-hmm. this or, you know. The uh, train one. Yeah, uh, Unstoppable. Yep. You know, yeah, Tony Scott action movies. Because he was a master of making action movies, Except Tony for Scott. Man on Fire. That one was different. Man on Fire, actually, yeah, a really fantastic... That one I remember. The different thing about it was what? Like, now, it, that's why you like Man on Fire, because in that, he is, Denzel Washington, Washington is the man who's an unstoppable force. Right. That one makes total sense for that movie. It's well done, it's totally, it's a little bit... Over the top, but the whole movie blends a little bit of over the topness, a little bit of too cool for school. You yeah, know, it, does, style, it does a lot of black and white, slow motion, style over substance all that occasionally. Stuff, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was when Tony Scott was experimenting, and then he did Domino and went way over the top with that Ugh, stuff. Yeah, see, slow Domino, I don't remember anything except I didn't like it. Well, what it was was he made Man on Fire. He uses all those camera techniques, slow motion. It's all, it's got a look to it, and then Domino, he just like all of it is that. It's all slow motion and. Bullets flying. Not all of it. Yeah, but I mean, it's like he decided, oh, I'm doing that. It's cool. Like, and he did that. For, and Domino kind of just went overboard with it. 
And then he did Pelham 1, 2, 3, and that had a bit of it too, but mm-hmm. like he tried to rein it in a bit. But but yeah, there's a master of uh, action movies, Tony Scott. Go back and see some of his movies. He's not a master. I think so. Like There, there are Only certain directors who do action movies really well. He was one of but them. But all of his weren't great. Uh, think of the one, the horrible one with Denzel Washington, the back-in-time one. That was terrible. Yeah. Or alternate timelines. I Deja think vu. Was, yeah, that sucked. Yeah, that is... So did Domino. But as far as an action movie, he knows how to make them. He had, like, three. Who? Tony Scott? No, he didn't have three. Three good ones. Action movies. Top Gun. Okay, not one of my favorites. It's a fantastic... (laughs) Like, it's literally one of my favorite movies. I know it is. I Um, know. Alien. That's not Tony Scott. that's his brother. (laughs) I can get behind Alien. True Romance. (laughs) That's fair. One of the greatest action movies. You know? Yeah, he, he, he but you're not—you you don't have a big long list here, so you're overselling him as an actor. Days of Thunder, fantastic action movie. That's like all racing, though. Yeah, but it's an action movie. It's absolutely it's not fantastic, is it? Yeah, I loved it. I, I still love it. Mm-hmm. I don't like NASCAR racing, but I thought that was a great movie. Tom Cruise, really good. You Robert know, Duvall. it's it's Top Gun in cars. Yeah, but uh, yeah. Anyway. That's off topic. So, <laughs> yeah, but you're inaccurate in saying that he's a master of action movies. So, in my so. conclusion for a run all night, I enjoyed it, but like you, I um, it's good while you're watching it, but mm-hmm. like in six weeks' time, it's it'll be a bit of a blur. That's kind. Six weeks. But I don't <laughs> think next... it's a bad movie because right now I can remember almost every scene of Kamiko, and we just we watched it a whole week ago. Now, a week from now, I will be saying to you, what was that? Which one did we watch last week? But if you want to uh, see, you know, it, it's it's a it's kind of a throwaway type thing, but it's a definitely a fun. If you're you know, if you're grabbing a couple movies for a Friday fun night, action movie, yeah. yeah, it's a good one for that. So uh, thanks to Warner Brothers, and if you want to enter a contest to win a Blu-ray, we have uh, some coming up this week. Uh, just go to racecoolie.com and you can win some Blu-rays. Not run all night, which might sound like we're giving away run all night. We're not. There are some others. So, uh, next week's Blu-ray review is Project Almanac. We'll be looking at that next week. And movie recommendations... My voice is going there. Is... I am going with the theme of this movie, and when I said it feels like an early... um, I was going to say Jean-Luc Godard movie, but that's (laughs) a totally different thing. Uh, What am I saying? What am I trying to say? Yeah. Who is the director of the fifth film? Luc Besson. Luc Besson. Yeah. When I was saying this movie felt a bit Luc Besson, the way the action was filmed and everything, I wanted to go with one of Luc Besson's early films, Leon the Professional, which is a movie which has um, a lot of action. I don't know if I'd compare them, but. No, it's not compared to this movie. I'm talking about the style of Luc Besson and the style of the action in this movie. This director, I think, was inspired by Luc Besson. It felt that way. It just feels... Especially that sequence in the burning apartment building. That feels a lot like the one that Luc Besson did where it was about parkour, the free runners. I didn't see that. No, that's what it reminded me of. Um, So, uh, yeah, I want to go with Leon the Professional. It's Luc Besson's best movie, uh, I think, and then... Fifth Element is also right up there, too. Fifth Element is awesome. And my other one's with the theme of action movies and Ed Harris, and it's The Rock. It's a fantastic action movie. That's Michael Bay uh, movie. It is over the top. It is... Think about it. There's not that much action. 
until the car scene. Yeah, it's just uh, it's it's really well done blockbuster summer action movie. Hokey. Yeah, it's totally okay. It's over the top. It's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Nicholas Cage is doing wild. It's not shit. tremendous, but yeah, it's yeah. Uh... I just enjoy it. Like it's 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 like Armageddon. You just turn your mind off it, but it's a fun thing. Like it's just fun. Like it's you know, add some twists and turns that you didn't see coming at the time. It's great big explosions, and you know, it's a big movie. Uh, I I really love it. I think it's really good. It got a Criterion release. That was one of the things. The Criterion collection who preserve film and they do all these, you know, get all these films and put them all on Blu-ray. They put The Rock on Blu-ray and all the people who were... You're just fond of it because it was your first DVD ever. No, it wasn't. I thought this one was. No, it wasn't. I've still got the first DVD I ever bought. Then you lied because you said The Rock was the first one. The first DVD I ever bought. Ever. And I've still got the original. It was the one I bought. And I I lived in England and I bought the USA because... DVD hadn't even hit England properly, but in the States it was coming a big thing. And it was Con Air. And I've still got it downstairs. Maybe that's what you said. So yeah. maybe you didn't lie. No. That's <laughs> it. Um, and, I've st- and I've got the original, and it's one of those ones that looks like crap if you play it now. Like, Back in the it's... day when you thought Nicolas Cage was awesome. I still think he's awesome. He's had he some, was awesome. made some bad choices, but I mean, I still think he's awesome. Kick ass. I loved him in Kick ass. I thought he was awesome. And that's the last thing to see him in, I guess. Why am I married to you? You're just so you wrong like about Nicholas so Cage? many things. You don't like Nicholas Cage? I don't like him. I, I say he's not his, awesome. I love how bananas he is, like, and he really throws himself in roles, like, I just. That doesn't make it good. And you know, he's like Wild at Heart, one of the first movies I ever saw with him in. Thirty it's a years fantastic ago, fantastic movie, fantastic, <laughs> and um, obviously Leaving Las Vegas. But yeah, he's Some done a lot go. of shit movies. He really has done a lot of shitty movies. And it's not always the movie that's shitty. Sometimes it's him. I just like him. I so, know you do. And he in the I rock. know. He's fantastic in the rock. I have to accept these things. So, uh, what are yours? Mine are good movies. <laughs> oh, wait, The Rock and Leon are really good, too. Uh, Unforgiven, which is one of those is redemption kind of... That's <laughs> mystic. Mystic. That one is a Western. <laughs> is it mystic? Now, that one, I think, is one of Because I never watched a lot of old Clint Eastwood movies or anything. I saw bits and pieces when my dad would be watching them, my grandpa would be watching them, and I thought, they were so boring. It just wanted to make me want to gouge my eyeballs out when I was a kid. See, I watched the Spaghetti Western. Right. And But Unforgiven came around. I don't remember the year. It was late 80s, early 90s, something like that. And it felt, at the time... Like, whoa. You know, this guy. I like that other one with Duval. Did his thing. It wasn't Duval, it was Clint Eastwood. No, the other one with Duval, I was saying. I like the other one with Duval. I don't know what you're talking about. So, with Unforgiven, the redemption thing made... It's like one of the first ones I ever saw where that was like the thing. A man who says to this other guy, we've all got it coming. And I think that put in my mind a a top quality character mindset for what I'm doing is wrong or what I've done is wrong and that is what it is and I'll pay for it in the end and that's it wash my hands of it I can't do anything else about it and I always liked it for that I was thinking westerns are not a draw anymore they don't don't make many westerns do they but you can make really good ones yeah and you really could but they don't it's thinking cowboys and aliens yeah. I would love for that to be so awesome. It's a successful comic book, and I don't think they. And my other one is to kill a mockingbird, because uh, 
I just... I hate people so much sometimes with the bad shitty attitudes about race and whatnot. And I'm not saying a movie can solve anything or convert you or whatever, but I'll tell you now. As a kid, we watched To Kill a Mockingbird when I was in grade school. In the library. I don't know why. And I probably didn't understand half of it or pay that close attention to a lot of it. It might have been high school. Sorry, high school. I'm thinking of the wrong building. I was in high school. And... I'm one of those people that I had already watched Roots, and I had watched, and these are just very superficial things, for like a little Caucasian girl from mid-America in a town that has no people of any other color whatsoever, maybe some fake tans here and there from the tanning bed, or farming tans, you know what I'm saying? That's it. You, you're all the same. But they put in my mind a different version of how to think about people, because... Lately, we've got the thing with the Confederate flag, and then we also have, like, the gay marriage thing is now, you know, things where people are different and we have a horrible attitude about, and we just want to cling to these horrible, hateful attitudes. And To Kill a Mockingbird sums up a lot of things. It it kind of shines a light on a very basic version of prejudice. You know, it's not a super complex story or anything, but if you watch it, you can't help but think about what it's about. And so I think it's a good... Read it or watch it. I don't care. And the other one is Twelve Monkeys. And I have no idea why. I think of like a end of the world kind of scenario. End of humans uh, system kind of thing. Where all of our... What do you call this? All of our structure would fall apart because of something. <laughs> I was just... And I don't know why. But all night. I don't know. I really don't know. I think at one point, I'm, we there was one of those scenes where it pulled back from the city, and I was looking at the whole of the city, you know, all of New, well, all of Manhattan, New York City, whatever, and think to myself, "Wow, wow, wow, wow!" It looks like we, as a, as human race, we've got our shit together. Look at these amazing buildings and streets, and all these people live here, and and it's not all like up in flames all the time and shit. But then if you zoom in really close. There's a lot of bad things about humanity. And that we can make it look really nice and pretty or make it look like we're all organized and we've got all these big cities and we've invented all these things and we're just coasting along with all of our comforts of life and yet we're just not. So if all of that fell apart, for whatever reason, and if you watch 12 Monkeys, you'll know what I'm saying. Um, I just think it's it's an interesting take on that potential scenario. From a whole different angle. And it's really good, you know, to this this speech by Brad Pitt, one of my favorite time. I don't know what he says, but he makes you think. Another time when a movie scene made me go, Oh god, he's real that's right. Whoever wrote that tapped into something that I identify with. Terry Gilliam. So all three of my movies have meaning to me. And so do mine. <laughs> As if the rock. Just cause you're entertained by it. I loved it too. I can't deny it. And uh, I find Leon a very emotional oh, movie. Oh, Leon's makes amazing. Really sad. Leon is super amazing. It's a sad movie. Well, yeah, it's from the moment she comes up and... Ugh, it's really she, good. Little tiny girl. And she's got her legs just swinging off the uh, Yeah, stairs. and then she's determined to get her own revenge and stuff. I mean, it's, it's very really deep. And very Gary good. Oldman is like... Yep. Weird. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, Gary Oldman and Luke Besson, whenever they team up, it's so amazing. And she's really good. Yeah. I don't know... I don't know that she's always good after that. She's good, but she's not as good as that, I don't think. No. Except in um, Garden State, I thought she was really good in that. 
So, uh, moving on to games and Ace Scully stuff, I've been playing exactly one game this week, and that is Batman Arkham Knight. I've also been playing The Witcher, but I've talked about that a billion and times. And that's Assassin's Creed. Yeah. But I've also talked about that a billion times. We've been playing Assassin's Creed for a long time. <laughs> um, but Batman Arkham Knight came out this week. Uh, I got the PC version. There's been a lot of controversy this week that the PC version... In fact, the PC version is no longer available, so I can't sell that to you right now, even though I'm not trying to. But... Um, the PC version came out and uh, it was riddled with bugs, apparently. So Warner Brothers decided to uh, remove it from sale. Now, the funny thing about this whole story is I haven't been played with anything. In fact, you've watched me play a bunch of it this week. I haven't watched you play any of it. But you've known that I've been playing. Yes. I've got 12 hours. I'm very aware of it. There's 12 I'll still hours. Watch you for a yeah. Long time. Yeah, there's 12 hours on my Steam account of playing it. This uh, It hasn't crashed once. I haven't had any issues. We did have one issue, and it was a puzzle in the game where the puzzle didn't activate properly, but then we reloaded the save, and then the puzzle did work. So, And that isn't the issue people are having with the game. People are having issues of it doesn't run properly. It's not very fluid. The frame rate's really bad. It affects the gameplay, and you can't play it properly. But I haven't run into anything, and... I've asked like three or four people who I also know who play have been playing it, and they haven't had any issues with it either. So it's not like people are lying that there are issues because there are issues. Because if you go on forums and have a look, there's angry people, angry mobs going crazy at Warner Brothers saying, "Gotta fix this. Paid sixty dollars. I can't play it properly." So it's not imaginary that there's something wrong with it. It's just I've got lucky, and maybe my friends have got lucky. It seems to be related to if your PCs good, like you have a reasonably fast new PC the issues don't seem to crop up like maybe the PC's power is kind of making it run alright but people who've got the mid-range PCs, they're the people who are having all the trouble it seems. Anyway, they've pulled it from sale, which is unprecedented, I've never heard of that before, never it's been removed, you can't buy it anymore, and they're going to relaunch it in fall um but today, there was a patch on Steam that fixed a few issues. So it's obvious they're working on it, and they, they want it to be better and working. Um, I get the feeling, all the PC owners out there who have already bought it, like me, we will probably get a free gift down the line, like most of these other games that have had bad launches do. What they usually do, Assassin's Creed Unity, actually, last year. It released, it was in a terrible state, it wouldn't run on most people's PCs, they fixed it eventually, and then they give everybody the season pass for free. So, you know, at least something to say sorry. So, I imagine Batman will get some kind of deal like that also down the line. But for me, it's running fine. And the game itself, I really enjoy it. It's the the end of the Batman trilogy. And uh, spoilers, if you played Batman Arkham Don't City. tell them. Batman Arkham City, the game before it, at the very end of Batman Arkham City... You the, you know, the Joker dies and Batman comes out of a building with the Joker in his arms and that's the end scene of the of Batman carrying this dead, lifeless Joker out. And the very opening scene of um, the new game is you is the Joker being cremated. So he's in the coffin and you have to actually press the button to cremate him. So, you know, this is not the Joker's story because in the Arkham series, the Joker was really the second game. This game is about the Scarecrow. And you all know the Scarecrow. Uh, 
And he's probably even more menacing than the Joker. So yeah, it's... The guy from the Red Eye. True. So it's the <laughs> it's Batman versus the Scarecrow, this whole game. Because uh, the Joker's out of the picture. So... Was that movie the one that Jodie Foster directed? Red Eye. No. Was that the one? Jodie Foster and him. She didn't direct it. Mm. She directed something. No, else. Red Eye. No, you're talking about the other one where they're on that really high tech plane. Mm-hmm. That's not Red Eye. That's um. That's that's no. Is that's, it him? No. Oh, okay. But there is Red Eye is the one with him, and the one and that's he's different. Kind of, yeah. Okay. But the one on the high-tech plane... I just plane, merged two movies together. That is a She's the plan. architect of the plane. Yeah, and it's this really luxurious pl- yeah. plane. But that's yeah. off topic. Off anyway. topic. So Batman... Um, yeah. not, not that I'm not completely enthralled by game talk. I'm seriously in. So Batman is a good... Uh, you know, Batman Arkham Knight. It's the end of the trilogy. I'm, I'm not finished yet. I'm about 12 hours in, like I say. I think it's 20 hours, they're saying. So, you know, I'm over halfway. And like I say, I've had no issues. It's really fun. The best part of it is the Batmobile. They finally put the Batmobile in the game. You know, you're in an open world, open city of Gotham. You can fly around Gotham in the other two games. But in this one, you finally get to use the Batmobile, which in the other ones, the Batmobile was um, relegated to cutscenes. Sometimes you'd see it in the background. It didn't make sense to me. I was always like, why can't I drive the Batmobile? It's right there. can never touch it. In this one, you get to drive it around. It is awesome. It turns into a tank if you want it to. It turns on a dime. It's got missiles. Batman doesn't kill anybody, so everything on the Batmobile is immobilizes people with electricity or whatever. You know, he doesn't kill people. Can't run people over even. If you try and run a criminal over, the Batmobile's got um, electrical barriers on it that just shocks the person that you'd run over and puts, cheating and kind of pins them to the floor. <laughs> yeah, because they can't in the Batman. You know legend or the franchise he doesn't kill people that's not how batman operates he's not a murderer so uh yeah that's uh batman arkham knight and that's available now on the consoles but not on the pc so um if you've got a pc i guess you have to wait uh the other thing one last thing is um the gay rights thing which i thought was a really interesting news story this week and uh obviously awesome you mean uh that in the united states you cannot make it illegal for two grown adults, and that just to happened in Ireland just recently because as they well. are of the same sex. Yeah, Britain it's been legal for a while. Um, Ireland passed it like only a couple of weeks yeah, ago. But there's a lot of resistance, no matter where you go. Yeah, but America, um, I you know we've seen it. It's been you know certain states made it legal, and I always thought, well, it's never going to be. Oh, they're still going to try to take it down. Yeah, they are, but I yep. don't think every going. state is going to try to take it down for sure. Almost every state. But because states in our country, the state makes those kinds of rules, not the. But the Supreme Court of... doesn't matter. You can undo what the Supreme Court says if your state can find an unconstitutional element to what the the Supreme Court does. That I... means that the state then can make their own decision. From what I read, the whole thing yesterday, and from what I was reading, it'll be very difficult for the for them to. Undo. But they'll try. Yeah, but um, because a... this, here's the deal. Who gives a shit? That's what I mean. It's, it's yeah. I mean, I don't mean, bigot, I don't mean so about you know religious. people having the right to get married. I think everyone should have the right to marry. I'm not. I love you very much, but I mean, marriage isn't that big of a deal. It's a legal contract. That's all it is. You have legally written on a piece of paper that you and I have a legal bound. We're bound legally by some things now. If I have insurance or I have a thing, I have benefits, Which legal and financial. Gay benefits. people couldn't have right. 
That's all it is. If you say to me that marriage is all about emotion and your religion, well, you're wrong. It wasn't invented for religion. It was invented for governments to make money off of you, to sell licenses to people, to make to make you basically their property because you've paid them now for your you're allowed now to legally bind so that if the man died or whatever, then the woman had a legal right to have the land or take it with her to another marriage. There's nothing emotional about that. There's nothing fluffy and rainbows and shit coming out of your asshole. It's all about the legal commitment to one another. Your emotional commitment should be separate. And if you want to wave in my face that it's about anything else, then you're wrong. I mean, technically, you're wrong. It might mean something different to you. But as a nation, we have laws. And if I have a law that prevents two people who are grown adults who want to spend their life together, share everything, and one of them works in a big business where they can get insurance and their partner isn't allowed to be their wife or their husband because of some archaic up-your-ass bullshit. It makes it actually makes no sense. But now it's good because... Uh, I mean, if they're going to fight it, it can also fall apart. You never know. It can take years and years or something like that to be, uh, you know, it's a transitional period. I wonder how many people got married yesterday. <laughs> About a lot on that landmark. Well, day. you have to. Every state then has to go through the whole process of all the paperwork part of it. So it's not just an instant thing. It, it symbolically would be instant, but. But anyway, to all our gay <laughs> listeners, um, I'll be honest. I don't know that I know many uh, gay, lesbian, transgender people. I know a couple. I, I literally know a couple of couples, and I know one. Well, I do actually. Now that I think I know about, a few it, about it, and when you think about. Them being anyone being treated unfairly because of who they are, yeah, it, just, it just sticks in my craw. Like I, I can't help it. it I said yesterday uh, on social networks and stuff, people I know, it was overwhelmingly positive. I saw yeah. people who I thought, oh wow, that people, that person's even changed their avatar to a yeah. Color I gamut. was surprised by, and a I few. was like, wow, I wouldn't expect that. And then I saw some people saying nothing. Yep. And they were the telling ones to me, because I think... Not necessarily. Well, who post every single day, five times a day, and then that day... But... About everything. Uh, yeah, but I don't think that everybody who doesn't post about a thing like that, because it is a very hot topic in your own family, in fact. I have family members who think I'm full of shit because I don't like racism, or I... That's a very superficial way of putting it, but... Um, and because I support people's right to just be who they are, and express themselves the way that they want, as long as not harming someone physically. People in my family think I, I am the wrong one. And that to bring these topics up at a dinner table actually ruins the whole day. And they don't want you in their house, and they don't want you around their children. I mean, it's like a huge deal. So, if someone's observing all this in their Facebook, and they actually do support it, but they know that if they make a, even a hint of it, I'm sure they're going to get some too. shit. Oh, there's a lot of those. I, I, there's a few people who I went to school with who are just on my Facebook list because you know that happens, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. And there's a few of them who are racist and stuff who I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, there was one yesterday who uh, said like something about queers. Mm. And I, just, I blocked him. <laughs> because, you know, what the hell? People like to think, oh, well... I had, oh, I had one person comment on a thing I wrote yesterday that, and she said it like this. And I'm, I mean, it's like, I just, I boggle at it sometimes the way people are. I mean, my mind, like, 
reels a little bit. And I don't get surprised very often. I don't think people think of what they're saying, really. The thing is, they don't want to be accountable for the impact, right, of what they say. She said in a comment on something I wrote, I'm tired of having to apologize to a black for slavery that was 500 years ago. Now, technically, she's wrong about the time frame. Calling anybody a, a black. Any, I know. I was like, I didn't, I didn't like go into depth about that, but I was, and she was just, she just put it out there. Now, I have no problem. Express yourself however you want. But I don't, I cannot get into that mind. I will sit down at a dinner table and discuss absolutely anything with anybody and have no indigestion about it. I don't care if it gets heated. I don't care. We won't even never change each other's minds, but I will totally listen to what you have to say if, if you don't want me to be a mirror image of you. And that's what I feel like so many people want. They want to be reflected back at them everything they think. And I, I just don't get it. So let's say... I don't get it. Um, <laughs> it's exhausting, Congratulations to all the gay couples who can now get married and... You know what? I feel like we shouldn't even have to. I mean, yeah, it's it's ridiculous that it was an issue in That's the like first saying, place. That's like saying, yay, women get to vote. Congratulations, ladies. But it no. is ridiculous that it was an issue in the first place. Yeah. But it is a massive thing for gay and... I'll have to have a discussion with my manager at work. We yeah. have these discussions. Oh, I'm sure... It, He's deep, yeah, deep he... Christian guy who thinks that all of creation, all of everything in the entire universe actually hinges on humans, just humans, man and a woman... Procreating, and if that we do not, then we fail the creator, his creator, that everything, even the most vast galaxies that you can't even fucking see, that it's all down to humans, a man and a woman making babies. I mean, you can't, you can't, you can't have that opinion at work because he could have lots of gay employees too, right? He can have that opinion anytime he wants. I mean, he wouldn't walk walk, walk around to. Uh, oh, I mean, he's very. I'm talking about. Being he's very open-minded about discussing. He's not anti anything. He just believes that that's. He's not anti anything. He just. It's tough in it for a boss though to express themselves at work, because you. Oh, he and I have great can discussions. So offend all everybody. If I think your... he knows who he can discuss things with, and I the same. I I don't just openly say whatever, so it's not just a one way street. It's just I went like... biking today, and there was a man with a t shirt on the back that said, "You might have gone past." Is him. it terrible? Don't say it if it's terrible. No, it's not terrible at all. But his t shirt said, "I am hundred percent Catholic and proud of it." Oh, Did right. you see that? Huh? And I, I and he, oh, when I go exercising and go past all these different people, like usually people are real friendly and they say hi or they like wave or whatever if they're listening to something. This guy was the most miserable guy. He was the <laughs> well, only guy who did. And I nodded at him and he nothing. I'm sure it's all because of the Catholicism. Nothing. <laughs> so, um, what's it's for a dinner? Lot of burden. It's a burden to be 100% of anything. Yes. So, <laughs> by making him very unhappy. So, what's for the dinner? Tonight is for dinner. We're having soup and a sandwich and some potatoes. I'm just in the mood for some fried potatoes and some beets. Pickled beets? <laughs> no. My oh, favorite kind I love of pickle beet. beets. <laughs> well, no, they're not. Pickle beets are my favorite beets. Yeah, but these are just out of the can. I just put vinegar on them. Yeah. That's it. And my advice? Did you want to know my advice? Yes. Ride a bike. Ride a bike. Yeah. That's it. All right. I don't have a reason. You'll know for yourself if you do it. All right. So I will. Remind- oh wait, I should uh, caveat. 
or whatever, whatever I add to that. I have an amendment to that <laughs> prior statement. Ride a bike, but not up a big hill. That sucks. But you have to go up a hill to go matter. down a hill. I'm just saying, if you're going to try it out for the first time, find some very flat area. You have to go up a hill. You to don't go have down to go up. Yes, but you don't have sometimes to go down. Sometimes you go up a hill. Sometimes you I'm go saying down you can go flat. You don't have to go up or down. Find a flat area. All right. And ride the bike. But don't get a flat because that is a pain mm. in the ass. True. True. So I want to remind you about our website, aschoolie.com, You can catch us on the social networks, Twitter and Facebook. You can also catch this podcast on Stitcher.com. Search for After the Show, the iTunes Music Store, Xbox Music, or the RSS feed. Just go to aschoolie.com, click on the word podcast. You can just use an RSS reader or whatever you like. You can email feedback to aschoolie.com. Don't email Sid Talk. She does not want your bullshit. And finally, stay classy, Mr. Liam Neeson, the master of the mystical western. <laughs> Think for yourself, or someone will do it for you.